What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Public Access America. We're just waiting for Jeffrey, as we always are around this time, but I wanted to do a little house cleaning while we wait. I wanted to let you know that Public Access America has almost 600 episodes of historical original audio that you should really check out and enjoy. And uh, you can find that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Player FM, TuneIn Radio, the Stitcher Smart Radio app, Overcast, Podcast Addict, and so many more. Have fun with that. And tell us where you're hearing us. We'd like to hear it. We'd like to see it in our stats. Here is Jeffrey. Oh, this is exciting. So soon, so soon. <laughs> Salam alaikum, everyone. What starts here changes the world. Well, I've got to admit, I kind of like it. What starts here changes the world. We are the music makers, and we are the dreamers of dreams. The average American will meet 10,000 people in their lifetime. I was handcuffed to another man from another tribe whose language I did not speak. Don't think. Feel. But if every one of you changed the lives of just 10 people, and each one of those people changed the lives of another 10 people, and another 10... We did not know each other, and we could not speak to each other because if we could have spoken to each other, we might have been able to figure out what was happening to us. To every politician who was taking donations from the NRA, name on you. I believed them when they said they were sleeping on concrete floors. I believed them. Children being separated from their parents in front of an American flag. I believe them. And you can change the entire population of the world, 8 billion people. And if you're going to figure out what was happening to us, we might have been able to prevent it. If you think it's hard to change the lives of 10 people, change their lives forever. Well, that didn't happen. And here we are. I believe these women. You're wrong. I feel extremely lucky to, to be here with all of you fighting for justice, for equality, for the right for us to equally exist in this country. There were 329 uprisings, 257 cities within four and a half years. And neither Martin nor Fannie had any control over that. We might be headed to the promised land of speaking the truth and finding our external liberty once we internally liberate ourselves. But their children were saved, and their children's children. Generations were saved by one decision, one person. But changing the world can happen anywhere, and anyone can do it. So what starts here can indeed change the world. But the question is, what will the world look like after you change it? Welcome to Public Access America. Make a stand. I know I did. Thank you very much. And may God bless America. May God bless America. May God bless America. Yeah. There he is. Hey, what's up? Oh, you know, just uh, chilling out, drinking my morning coffee. Mm, me too. Me too. Love it. <laughs> I was oh. just going through some house cleaning really quick. I was telling people they can find all of our episodes everywhere. And um, check out the live stream every Sunday morning, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Um, check out Adam Has a Beard because he had his second annual spiritual conference. I was a part of the first one. I was uh, snubbed for the second one for better talent. So, yay. Um, con- <laughs> congratulations to him. <laughs> awesome. 
And uh, a shout out to my hosts from Inspirations Beyond Disabilities who are all gathered together in Miami having a great time. And I love that. You know, they didn't even know each other before I started the podcast. And, and like day one, they just became best friends. So I'm really excited for them and all that. How are you doing? How was your week? Oh, man, it's been busy. You yeah. know, I've been... Um, I've been basically doing two jobs at once. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's exhausting, but you know, my hope is, is that, um, as the, as my organization goes through the hiring process, they ultimately end up considering me. So in the end, one way or the other, you know, this'll, this'll be, it'll be nice when, when some of this is finally handled and over. (laughs) It's amazing. I think the whole country per person is just going through transition. Everybody I talk to is moving or changing or doing something. And I wonder if that's because they feel confidence to do that. You know what I mean? Or because COVID is ending or if it's just the way the world is, you know, you know, I would say, I would, I would say COVID's not ending, but the, the, the safety uh, is improving. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and so, you know, people aren't feeling like, they have the reins on themselves like they've had in the past in order to, you know, pursue certain things. I was actually talking with a friend about that. Um, just because like, you know, it seems like right now, every, every state is now getting to the point of they're hurting for, for people to right. Yeah. You know, and, and that's one of those things where it's like, you know, the, 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 you, you, like the the whole I'm not the left I'm not the right mm-hmm. you know on one hand you know to me like a lot of this made sense just in that you know until we could until we could get vaccines out to people and make sure that you know we were doing everything we can in that regard you know everything reopening just didn't seem as safe it just wasn't it wasn't time yet yeah mathematically speaking I still don't think it's time but we're now at a tipping point in the vaccine race where we're, we're getting to where there's going to be more supply than there is demand. And, and, you know, really it's the same way with jobs. And so one of the things that I'm starting to tell people as much as I can is like, right now there's a lot of great paying jobs out there that are available that are above minimum wage. And, if you are not getting yourself vaccinated and trying to get your foot in the door in some of these positions that maybe you didn't think you had a chance at before, but because they're hurting, you do now, Right. You know, this is your chance to get in and, and get ahead of the fact that pretty much, I, I imagine that every state is going to cut off the federal unemployment aid by the end of July. Yeah. It's going to, it's going to have to end at some point. Well, and it's, it's scheduled to end, I think at at the end of September. Mm. So like getting those high paying jobs while they're available, getting the vaccines now that they're readily available. I mean, like this is your chance to take what has been probably the worst 15, 16 months of our lives. And, you know, this is your chance to turn it around on its head and say, you know what, I'm gonna move onward and upward. 
Yeah, I totally agree with that. But sometimes you need to get your foot in the door, and a lower wage at a great company is better than a higher rate wage at a crappy company. So people should consider that, you know. And I want to say to companies, maybe you should consider hiring more disabled people because we are definitely willing to work, you know. <laughs> exactly, and and that's you know, and that's just it is is that you know companies companies and people need to figure out what that looks like. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, for for me and my organization, you know, my organization focuses on community and and that's you know it's not that i didn't have the chance to work at larger organizations given where i live mm-hmm. but it doesn't align with my value set and what i want to do exactly. i'm i know i could be making i i know that i if i wanted to i could make a few phone calls and probably get my foot in the door somewhere else mm. but that's not what i want because that's not who i've ever been you know, I like to focus on, you know, the immediate needs of community. And that's, that's where, that's where I feel the best when I'm in my work environment, nice. because I really don't feel like I'm working. So that's okay. just me personally. I like that. I mean, people have asked me why, why, why stay in the middle? Why criticize everybody and alienate your audience? And I, I, that's my values is I'm always trying to bring reason to, the argument. I want to be the middleman, the referee, the person going, wow, you know, like, no. So I like, I like, I would rather get what we're doing with my morals than sensationalize something and go with the trends just to get listens and go with people's preset opinions. I'm here to help you question your opinions. You know what I mean? Even if you're right, they, everything should be tested in theory. And if you're right, then it should hold up to my arguments because I don't make the smartest arguments. (laughs) You know what I mean? Well, and and even still, you know, if you're not questioning the things around you, Mm -hmm. you know, then you open yourself up to, you know, just, just general group thinking. That's, that's how you get into where we're at currently, where, Groupthink is is so pervasive, but the groupthink that's now prevalent is just absolutely fucking nuts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, you we've and we've surrounded our, we've surrounded ourselves with people who just readily and, and inherently agree with us. We shut out voices that don't agree with us. We we look for the things that we believe to be true, not whether or not, you know, you can test them to find out whether they are true or not. And so you just end up creating the sounding board of, you know, I'm right until somebody, you know, shows up with a, with a set of information that says, no, in fact, you're not. And then people feel like they're physically attacked and it's like, you know, this is why, and, and it's why you know, as scientists, when people say trust the science, we go, "Ooh, um, it's a process," mm. and and it very much is a, it's right until it isn't. Well, the thing is, is Republicans spent four years owning the libs and having a great time with it, and oh, now yeah. the libs are having a great time. Um, retaliating. And so you're not getting these conversations without tones, without um, argumentative, argumentative tones or sarcastic tones, or you're just stupid for what you think tones. We're, we're, we're not worried. We just want to hurt each other. We don't want to be like, Hey, come here, sit down. Guess what? You know, you might be wrong. You might be right. Part of it might be right. You know, you might have a nugget of truth in there, but let's, let's talk about that. 
We don't do that. We're all like, haha, we got you. <laughs> it's all about it's all it's all about sound bites for our respective news organizations mm. and Twitter clips that people can then retweet and share far and wide. It's it's not about if it were discussions on the actual policies and actually about compromise, you know, there's plenty of things that could be done mm. where, you know, the right gets what they want, the left gets what they want, and the people on the fringes are pissed because they don't get what they want. Yeah, I've never gotten what I want. <laughs> Dude, I'm not even fringe and I don't even get what I want. So Exactly. And I, I was just telling my friend the other day, I was like, what if black people aren't the problem? What if it's the people telling you that the black people are the problem? You know? <laughs> like, right. I don't know why we're siding with politicians over other Americans when, as a voice, we, we drastically outnumber the politicians, you know? <laughs> Well, it goes back to that inherent discussion, you know, of we feel safe within our own party and we think that our own party is right. Mm -hmm. And when our own party isn't in, when our own party isn't in power, then the government is inherently evil and it can't be trusted and this, that, and the other. And, and, and I'm over here in the middle going, what if neither of them can be inherently trusted? Exactly. Well, exactly. But my point is, even in the Democrats, they have a progressive caucus, a black caucus, a um, moderate caucus, you know, a conservative caucus. And so anytime you get a group, eventually that group is going to eat itself because nobody is pure enough to be in the original group. And so you have splinter groups. And there's this big thing called intersectionality, which means what you deal with, I also deal with. I might be white and disabled. You might be. Jacob Blake is black and disabled. So there's an intersectionality there. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. LGBTIA has an A in it, which stands for asexual or ally. There's an intersectionality there. I'm an ally. You know, so I support them and they should be supporting me and we should be supporting immigrant rights because we're humans and there's an intersectionality to all of that mm -hmm. and i think what people get confused is there's politics which is running for office there's governing which is actually representing the people that you that elected you and then there's there's um legislation which is creating things based on all of that but politics doesn't have to rule the day a, a republican doesn't have to say because of my politics i'm not voting to fund the capitol police he should say politics aside is this reasonable yes we should fund the capitol police it's not a partisan issue and we have to stop adding um, politics, like to everything, it, it it's not a seasoning that goes with everything. It makes a lot of stuff taste bad, and we need to pull mm -hmm. it out of our recipes and then have these salt and pepper conversations. You know, well, and, yeah, but it, it goes back to the whole fact that everybody's looking for a sound clip of them owning the libs or own, mm -hmm. owning the GOP or, or you know, it's. Yeah. It's really frustrating because the the number of times people think that they're owning the opposite side, I I can literally look at the argument and in about five seconds absolutely destroy it either way. Either way, yeah, and, and I can I can too by just going uh uh, <laughs> or you know, or even just taking a second to think about it. it's like wow, you really just alienated about half the people because you think that one specific way should be the entire mm. way for the country rather than going, okay, yeah, this works for me and it works for a lot of people, but this way works for them and a lot of other people. And 
my point really wasn't much of a point at all. Right. You're looking at different topological maps, I swear. Yeah. It's a weather map over migration patterns of birds, and we're both going, look, they're totally different. And we're like, yeah, but it's the same planet, you know? <laughs> exactly. And that's, and that's what's so frustrating about it is, is that, mm-hmm. you know... I I just I don't have the brain capacity to deal with conspiracy theorists on either side. I mm. don't have the brain capacity to deal with people that are looking for a sound bite or a news clip. It just isn't it, it just Yeah. It goes to that whole question of why are you listening? Are you listening to learn or are you listening to respond? Exactly. And and most people are just listening just enough to be able to make a counterpoint mm-hmm. that may or may not be well within the realm of what is even happening. Right. Hashtag this conversations. Is, yeah. And, and that's just it. It's, it's, it's so crazy to me. It's like, you know, you've got one side that sits down and talks about how, you know, how they don't understand why, you know, black people aren't supporting them more. You know, mm-hmm. when you, you look at, like you were saying, intersectionality, You've got people who are devoutly religious and black, so why does that why does that mean that they should vote liberal? Like that exactly. might not necessarily that might not necessarily fit with their worldview. Mm-hmm. You know, just because someone's a person of color, that doesn't mean that they're liberal, and that's kind of a really fucked up way of thinking. If yeah, if that's can, how you go, you can strip them away just on a, the abortion rights. You know, I. It's it's conservatives believe that and churchgoers believe that. So you have this intersectionality there on a subject that is very interesting to me. You know what I mean? I'm not studied up on it, but there's bills to change the law to prevent abortions after 15 weeks instead of 20 weeks. Mm -hmm. And I can't help but think they say that 20 weeks is because at that point the fetus is viable. But what if we learned in the past 40 years that the fetus is then viable at 15 weeks. If there's, if there's um, evidence of that, then well, we should with, consider talking about that. You know what I well, mean? Instead with, of just, instead of just saying it's a, it's an arcane law and they're trying to go back to zero when it's 15 weeks. Well, and the, so here's what you have. You also have to take in the, the, uh, to account the advancements in medical science. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've, they've created the artificial womb where you can, they're, they're thinking that they can actually go from conception to birth right? in an artificial womb. So does that mean that, uh, you know, any fertilized egg is now considered viable? Well, that's a discussion to have, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, and that's, and that's just the, but and this is where it just gets so crazy and so wonky because just because something's viable that doesn't necessarily mean that's going to be well taken care of the idea that this is you know where i always pull up futurama there's no consensus that life is important (laughs) because because when you look at when you look at any of it when you look at any of the arguments out there you have a bunch of people saying you know all lives matter and they support the death penalty mm-hmm. they support uh they support uh what was the other one i was gonna say oftentimes they'll end up supporting the police when they straight up ep- execute someone over something that's yeah. not a death penalty offense they're happy to pull you off insurance they're happy to keep disabled people in poverty they're happy they're happy to keep gay people from adopting children that they insist are born they're happy to keep people from being able to uh, obtain benefits that keep people alive. Yeah. It's, you know, so, so like you've got all of this all lives matter stuff. 
Oh, I'm and sorry. That's they, entirely... also, they also support gun rights, which kill people all the time. <laughs> you know, and so it's like, okay, well, that's bullshit. And then you have people being pro-choice, and then, you know, the moment mm-hmm. someone says, okay, well, I choose to believe that abortion is terrible. Mm-hmm suddenly they're all pissed it's like okay well where was the pro choice in this matter because just because someone doesn't think it boils down to people like to put their nose in everybody else's business until someone yep. puts their nose in theirs. and and people like to make rules for everybody else until that rule comes back on them that's right you know you see it constantly but abortion is bad knocked up their mistress you need to go get an abortion mm-hmm. you know i can't even tell you the number of people that i know personally that got pregnant when they were in college mm-hmm. and their very conservative family told them to get an abortion despite being very much pro-life. And I'm like, what kind of fucked reasoning is that? Like, right. how can you call yourself pro-life? And then the moment that something turns on your head, you're screaming, get an abortion. That doesn't make any sense. Meanwhile, you know, if you you've got those same groups of people that say that that life needs to come to term and needs to be delivered, but the moment it exits the vaginal canal, they don't give a shit about whether or not it's fed, clothed, cared for until it's like until that life is completely in the gutter right. because of any number of issues ranging from neglect to drug abuse to God knows what else. And so when you tell me all lives matter, but you don't want to ensure all of these rights to make sure that that life has a not, I'm not saying an, uh, an equal opportunity of outcome. I'm talking just an equal op, uh, an equal uh, possibility in opportunity. Mm-hmm. It makes absolutely no sense to say all lives matter and then act in the way that they do. It doesn't make any sense at all. But I will say that I do know people who really are quote unquote, all lives matter. And it's, you know, they're against the death penalty. They don't like the fact that cops are killing people. They don't believe that abortion is right, but they do believe in making sure that, that, you know, babies that are born are well cared for, well taken care of that. I mean, it is possible. Mm -hmm. It's just that we've seen it used as a rallying cry by people who only care about, about all lives mattering as long as it's screaming at black lives matter and that's just the fucking weirdest thing ever it is the weirdest thing but i mean i don't know i'll kill a bug like (laughs) i saw a commercial and this lady was like i'm vegan but i love meat so i i order my meat from (laughs) assholeanimals.com Wait, wait, what? That's <laughs> like that's like me saying I'm a vegan on my annual cheat year. That doesn't make a goddamn bit of sense. Right. Well, I mean, you can eat animals as long as they're assholes first. Look, I mean, <laughs> I always say that I, if I had to kill an animal to to eat meat, I would be vegan because I just couldn't do it. But I'm happy that somebody else does it for me. You know. And that's and you know and and being somebody that's called more than more animals than most people will ever count in their life. Mm. You know, it's, I have definitely, I can definitely see why for some people it's, it's a struggle. I mean, even for me, it's, it's, you know, there's, there's an emotion behind taking an animal and, and there should be, there really should be, Yeah. you know, as someone who's raised cattle, as somebody who goes hunting, if you feel absolutely nothing except joy, then you're not doing it right. right. Like under, you know, understanding that beauty of nature and under, you know, 
understanding that you know if if you are in the in the path that they're all god's creatures mm-hmm. you know it's 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 still a very emotional event and it should be it should because be. that's that shows that you have some humanity left you know in, in you to have empathy for things outside of the human race it's why we have animals you know it's why we have pets that become family members right you know, because if a dog's just a dog, then why the fuck do you own one? You know, my dog isn't just a dog. She's my family member. Mm. And, you know, it's when she's not when she's not feeling well, I'm taking care of her. and I'm worried about her and when she is feeling well. She's an asshole and she drives me crazy and I love her. <laughs> but then again, I'm sure that most people who know me say I'm an asshole and I drive them crazy, but they love me, too. Animals are like their owners, right? Mm hmm. I love that. So it's, okay. you know, we've got to get back to the policy of being humans first mm-hmm. and disagreeing over what we think is the best way to take care of people. And, and knowing, you know, like I have had this discussion with multiple people, like, for me, it's, I care about people. And when I see that, you know, that people are complaining about the fact that they think the government is inherently racist and that the government is inherently out to get them and and hurt people, it doesn't make any sense to me then why your solution would be, let's add more government. Because it's like, that'd be like, man, I'm stepping on all of these Legos and it really fucking hurts. So I think the best way to fix the problem is to, you know, to pour some more Legos on the floor. So that way, you know, it's all spread out. <laughs> no, that doesn't I, make any sense. That goes and, to my major misconception about everything is that from libertarian to progressives, we all say we want, we want less government involvement. But the truth is, is we want more government. We want less bureaucracy. And that's why we have elections is to get rid of politicians and bring in representatives. And that's the pre- the process. That's the washing process of democracy is taking mm-hmm. the bad out. And then you need to rotate those people because once they settle in, they become bureaucrats and bureaucrats mm-hmm. want the status quo. They don't want change. And so there's red tape for everything. And so I don't think it's government. I wouldn't, there's not an agency I would want to get rid of. There's just an agency I think could be run leaner and better. I think they all could be run leaner. That's mm-hmm. And that's the difference. You know, like I don't have issues with programs that serve human needs. I have right. issues with the number of people that are in those programs taking a cut of the money. And yes. then the humans that absolutely need those services being told that their services are getting cut back because of X, Y, and Z, when the reality is, is that they've hired more people to do more things. Mm-hmm. Maybe not necessarily, you know, maybe not necessarily everything that needs, it doesn't all need administration. And that's the problem. Right. It doesn't all need bureaucracy. And a lot of it could be merged into some bigger, you know, offices. They don't all have to be these little, things that just pop up because there's an issue it could be a think tank that disperses after a while and folds into another agency you know so there's a lot of stuff about bureaucracy that i can't stand but i'm gonna always say i love government because i hate vladimir putin (laughs) right 
So that's just me. And I think even Liz Cheney saying she wants smaller government, what she means is she just wants it to run better. You know, it's like a car with too many extra parts that are that's causing gas inefficiency when you could just take some of that stuff and repurpose it and make it a better vehicle. Absolutely. And and that's just it is is that there's there's a lot out there that could be redone i you know i'm mm-hmm. sure that i'm sure like even for you like if you were to look at the inefficiencies in the medicare system the fact of the matter is is that there's probably there probably could be more money available mm-hmm. to actually serving the people yeah but it's being spent in all the ways that you can figure out and how to deny people right. uh, their their medical claims or whatever and so you know it's it's kind of one of those it's one of those weird things where it's like yeah i get why everybody wants more government but the way in which it gets done is completely backwards you know the people in the offices they have to justify their salary so they're always trying to do something whether it makes sense or not that's the problem is the bureaucrats within the positions i don't want to get rid of medicare but i also don't want to give it to 330 million americans when it's broken you know, when it's right. running this way, I'm not going to, I'm not going to sell a car if it's not tuned up first, you know? No, it's, and and that's what, and that's what people don't understand is, is that, mm-hmm. you know, if you're on Medicare and you're trying to get all this, you know, you, you have issues and you need care, you know, the people that are on Medicare, you know, need to be able to tell people who think that Medicare for all is the way to go and sit down and go, yeah, Look, no, you don't want this. We don't want this right now. We don't have any choice though. Right. And I, some of my most popular tweets are about that. Don't give Medicare to all until it's fixed by all. You know what I mean? Fixed for all. And that's, and that's just it is, is that the moment that you, but the moment that you did that, you probably pissed off a bunch of people on the left. They're like, well, how could you not want Medicare for all? It's like, I can't get the fucking care that I need on Medicare for all. Mm -hmm. So why do I want to put a bunch of other people in probably worse scenarios than they already are currently. And so what that does is it just pushes Donald Trump's plan was an a la carte insurance where you go for what you want. So if everybody gets the base Medicare, it's like getting the base Hulu, which does absolutely nothing for you. It makes you want to upgrade. And then every insurance company is going to be a specialty insurance, which can in charge more. So when you then have a condition Medicare won't cover, you're, you're, your prostate is going to be an elective. Your your bladder issues are going to be an elective. The lump in your chest, the cancer is going to, going to become a specialty. And Medicare is only going to cover sniffles and coughs. You know what I mean? They'll, they'll degrade it to a point to where it does nothing. And then all of a sudden you're paying for the the specialty insurances, which everybody can afford or get for free just by being in office for five years, you know? Mm-hmm. So it, it just, you know, that's one of those things like I, like I get why people like the idea of universal health coverage and I get why they say Medicare for all until mm-hmm. you actually understand what Medicare looks like now. You shouldn't want that. Right. I mean, yes, you will be able to walk into a hospital and get served, but then depending on the cost of that, you might have to pay out of pocket for the next six months until you hit the other side of the donut hole. And then you have to pay 25% of everything after that. That doesn't work. 
It doesn't work. You can't go get healthcare when your doctor is charging $300 and up for a, a visit. You can't have that many visits when it only covers up to $3,000 a year. And when you add your prescriptions into that and your doctor visits and then an MRI that might cost $1,500 or an emergency room visit or an urgent care visit, you're fucked. Mm-hmm. And that's, and so that's where, you know, sitting down and looking at it objectively, it's like, you know, what would be, you know, how would Medicare for all function better if, if, mm-hmm. you know, you were to change things up, like what functions could you change to make that $3,000 go further? And we've talked about that. Yeah. I, my, my radical idea is to fold the VA into Medicare. And just have a part V, you know what I mean? But that's my radical thing. $360 billion a year on veteran care folded into Medicare. <laughs> but that's me, you know. And my radical idea was is, is that we should essentially do away with it, have what would be a, a, a modified HSA system where we mm-hmm. give you three three grand and then you pay cash for whatever services you need. And there's a lot of doctor's offices out there now that are giving discounts on the fact that you're paying cash. So what your $3,000 did before now goes even further because you don't have to pay the same amount out of pocket. I like that. If the and price, if the prices go down, then I'm all in favor of that, but you can't keep an MRI at $1,500 a shot and expect me to only survive on on $3,000. You know, I can't get the exactly. tests. I can't get the tests if they're justifying the higher prices because of administrative costs. The truth is, is if you, the the administrative costs in the private insurance you have now, if they were eliminated when you got Medicare, there would be a way to afford Medicare for all. There is a, there's a financial way to do it Mm -hmm. by doing it right. It makes more sense, but you have to keep the administrative costs down in Medicare before Mm -hmm. you can fold it all in. And you have to negotiate drug prices to keep them low. Once you Mm -hmm. lower the cost to me for everything, I'm happy if you give me an HSA account, if an MRI is 50 bucks, because they've already paid for the machine. Even if I have to hunt for a hospital that has already paid off their machine and has lowered Mm -hmm. the cost, you know? Or, you know, the fact that there's a lot of places out there that are doing these specialty pop-up services like MRIs, CAT scans. And so, you know, if if these companies, they're large companies that have mm-hmm. the ability to buy these machines outright and they're charging 100 bucks for a scan instead of, you know, 500 bucks. Yeah. Great, you know, and and if they're not having to pay all of these administrative costs and having their people deal with the claim and having the insurance company deal with the claim and send it back and they're not having to wait 150 days to get paid. Right. You know, it drastically reduces costs. I, and, and what it boils down to is, is that people have to be open to the idea that, you know, while a national health system like pretty much any other country has would be great. The fact of the matter is, is that our system is not like that now. Mm -hmm. And the idea that it will be like that is a fevered dream. So how do you, how do you find the best of both worlds? And we've talked about that too, Mm -hmm. you know, where the government is the one that's negotiating the prices of medications or even you could potentially say machines too, because like we said, you know, in other countries, you have, let's say, six drug manufacturers. You have one person that's, you have one entity saying, 
give me your best price right. versus having six companies, 11,000 different hospitals and each of them saying, give me your best price. Mm. And that best price is different between all of these other systems. Oh, man, you're, you're touching on uh, my, my show of the week, by the way. <laughs> and that, but that is, here's the thing about that is, is take Germany say they have or france they have universal health care right they pay slightly higher taxes for it the, the, the thing is is that they've spent the last hundred years building a social net not destroying the social net what we do is we react and backfill and so we just dump money into something and say there's our social net mm-hmm. and then we put a time limit on it because the other party gets into power and says we don't need that you know what I mean? And then the other party backfills again. And so it's just, it, we're just spending money <laughs> yeah. on, on things that we're destroying or on things we're throwing away. Here, Here's a safety net, the Consumer Protection Agency. We're going to dump money into it. And then the next administration comes in and goes, yeah, we're gutting it. We're taking the money from that. When, you know, and, and the reality is, is, is that there's probably a better way than all of that to do that. Mm-hmm. And rather you know rather than sit there and fight about all of this i mean quite literally you could put the you could put the the care in the hands of the people let them decide what's best for themselves yeah and do it in such a way that is far cheaper on multiple ends of the spectrum yeah and get it get out of their way when they need something like an abortion you know what i mean and that's you know and that's just it is is that there there are ways to fix the situation with healthcare mm-hmm. that neither party wants to listen to because it either fucks over the donors or it fucks over the idea that the government is going to be able to capitalize on a bunch of money that it's not getting now right and so neither part for it's a it's a non-starter for either party and that's the problem mm-hmm. well you got to remember that the government has to pay its salaries first so it needs a certain amount just to function just to pay its employees and then everything above that is a profit that can be used to line the pockets of people like social security if we funded it correctly and stopped dipping into it <laughs> it would be running great but we constantly short it so that we can put money into pet projects and that's just terrible well and and, and as much as much as people hate it when i say it if social security was running the way that it was intended it wouldn't be a retirement account for people either that's true. So, I don't know if it was ever meant to be, but also the family structure was based a little differently and market value. Like wood is hundreds of dollars now for a plank of plywood. Like you can't even build a house now. You can't you can't be a homeowner without paying way more for that house now just because wood mm-hmm. is more expensive or steel or anything. I had a friend that said that he's like, well, the price of everything is more expensive. And I was like, yeah, because we just dumped a whole bunch of money into everybody's pockets. And now everybody can afford to buy stuff that costs more. The problem is there's certain people that were poorer to begin with. And now the inflation is affecting them. (laughs) Yes. Mm -hmm. That's what happens. That's inflation. You give a whole bunch of rich people, a whole bunch of money. They find it expendable and buy that vacuum for $400. And now the vacuum is $400 and the poor person can't afford it. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, and even, even in the government too, when you have a bunch of tax revenue coming in, like, you know, mm-hmm. in, in that regard too, healthcare is expensive, not just because of all the administrative costs, it's expensive because of all of the taxes that get put on it to fund the government. Right. And as we said, the malpractice insurance that people need to have. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and like I said, there's there are ways to fix these things, and we've mm-hmm. discussed them all. It's just that somebody has to be willing to sit down and say, you know what, this isn't right. Hey, somebody from the other party, let's talk about how we can actually fix this. Let's, right. you know, people shouldn't be penalized when they have HSAs and they haven't used all of their money. They shouldn't have their money taken away from them or their FSAs right. and have that money gone. Why? What, what purpose does that serve other than lining the pockets of a corporation? That right. should not be legal. That's right. Your and then when sh- your money should be going somewhere else other than to your own pockets or your own accounts. Well, you should be able to save that money because mm-hmm. the look at the real look how realistic it is that it's like healthy, 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 healthy. You could have 15 years of great health and have a bunch of money saved up. Suddenly you have a cancer treatment that comes up. And rather than having your money taken away at the end of each of those years, you had enough money saved up that, hey, I got to go and pay for my cancer treatments in cash, and it didn't bankrupt me. Right. But again, you know, it's, it's the price of care to begin with. It That too. It, it just is like, yeah, I could have $20,000 in my HSA account, but if I come down with cancer and the first shot is $25,000, i am fucked anyway, you know? And on, on that, I want to say I should, as as an American, be able to invest in that as well as if the government is giving me $3,000 a year. I should be able to match that, like a 401k without tax penalties. I should be able to invest in that. And as a disabled person, if I should be able to earn what I can earn now. And if I earn more and put that into something tax exempt, they, I shouldn't be penalized and lose my disability for it. Because I want to say, because it takes me longer to learn a job and to have a job. And it's still risky being at the bottom of the ladder as a disabled person in a corporation, first in, first to go, disabled person, first to go, because it naturally costs a little bit more in understanding and accessibility for me. So corporations aren't eager to hire me, but they are they are eager to dump me. And so there's never going to be job security for a disabled person. So I think we need to work on that. I need to be able to earn as much as I can and then divert that just like a rich person so that I don't get penalized, you know? Well, and that's and that's just it is is that you know I would make the argument that rich people shouldn't be able to divert either if that's the way that we're going to go. Right. I mean, to me, the best way that you can fix it is is by doing flat rate taxes. Hmm. It's like if you're going, you know, and and I've talked about this before. It's like if if you know you determine what the poverty line is for the previous year, anything made at and below the poverty line tax-free for everybody because right. you shouldn't be taxing people that are in poverty period right. of story or close it, to it by the way you know but that's i mean but that's just it is is that if you're going to say close to it then that should be the poverty line period end of story well i would say like because five ten percent above the poverty line only because i make thirty dollars more than being on the poverty line you know but but then again you know at, at that point then it's just you're taxing a percentage of what you make above that and the and the reality is is that while you might make 30 bucks a month you know well you might make 30 bucks more than the poverty line and mm-hmm. you get taxed on that and so we say, okay, well, you shouldn't be getting taxed on it. Well, what about the person who's making 50? Well, they shouldn't. Okay, well, what about 100? Well, they shouldn't. What about 1,000? Right. What about 10,000? What about? And that's how we end up with all of these mm. fucking loopholes. And then it becomes arbitrary. I got you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I get it. 
but at the same time too it's like if we're going to say that if you're at this point of the poverty line it's like anything at and below shouldn't be taxed and if and if you think and if you think that that is still too low and that people that fall into a certain income above that shouldn't be taxed Mm. that should be the poverty line i like that because if then if you're below the poverty line will you get a tax rebate to put you at the poverty line i think that's an interesting discussion to have yeah i like this i like that idea but realistically speaking is is that you know you can figure out what at what wages you are going to be tax exempt Mm. Uh, you know, if you're only working one job, th- this is where it gets tricky. Um, because if you're working multiple jobs, that calculation becomes a little bit more difficult. And yeah. unfortunately, that's that's the that's a realistic thing for a lot of Americans. Yeah, not as many as people like to claim, right? But still more than should be. <laughs> and that's and that's that's one of those that's one of those caveats where it's like. You know, there's a bunch of people out there that are gonna, you know, going to sit down and say, "Oh, well, all of these Americans who have to work two, three jobs." You know, numerically speaking, you know, percentage-wise speaking, that number is actually really low. Hmm. It's not as high as people think it is, but it's far more than it should be. Yeah. Like, it, you shouldn't have to work multiple jobs in order to make ends meet, period, end of story. If you're going to work multiple jobs, then whatever you're making is should be above and beyond to afford whatever luxuries you're looking for. Right. But when you're having to work multiple jobs just to, just to make the poverty line, that's a problem. That's, that's a, a real problem. problem. Yeah. And so, and so that's, there was actually a pretty good study about it somewhere that I, I was reading it a couple of years ago about uh, what that actually looked like, because the claim that, uh, I want to say that there was this ridiculous, there was a claim that about a third of Americans were working multiple jobs, you know, and they were trying to use that as the, the discussion of what the minimum wage should look like. Mm. But when they actually dug into it, <clears throat> the number of people who were working multiple jobs and, you know, I want to say making like just like 10% above uh, the poverty line actually worked out to be something like maybe two and a half million people at most. Um, You know, that was just one of those things where it's like, you know, people working multiple jobs is, is really difficult. And I think that, in America, we need to reassess what the poverty line looks like and understand that the poverty line looks different, you know, wherever you live, yeah. you know, a dollar here doesn't buy the same as a dollar back in Montana. That is that's true. A, that's realistic. You know, out here, a dollar in rent here doesn't buy the same amount or doesn't buy the same amount of space as a dollar in rent back in Montana does. Right. That's realistic. And so the poverty line, the idea that there is a just this, you know, a national standard poverty line is a real interesting discussion because let me tell you something, making making fifteen dollars an hour here in Washington fucking sucks and you, you're going to be struggling to find a place to live anywhere right. but 15 dollars an hour back in you know parts of montana a lot of places in montana mm-hmm. you know you would actually probably be able to save money and put money away yeah that it just is a it's a different calculation across multiple areas because you know the taxes here that we have <clears throat> i'm going to say this probably for the millionth time Sales tax is regressive. Yeah. Because 
while the idea is, is that every, everybody who buys something is going to have to pitch in. Yeah. Okay. So the idea is, is, is that it's fair, but is it equitable? No, because the person who has $200 to buy groceries doesn't have $200 to buy groceries. When there's a 10% sales tax, they've got $180 to buy groceries on a $200 grocery bill that they need to fulfill. Right. Whereas a person who has $2,000 gets to buy $200 in groceries, pay $20 in sales tax, and still have plenty of money left over afterwards. I mean, yeah. sales tax is regressive. And no matter what you tell me, it's not fair to the people who who are impacted the most. I agree. If, if anybody's ever bought DoorDash, they understand that you can get your food for $20, but then you're paying $5 in taxes, and then you're paying $5 for the app, and then you're paying $5 for tip. So anybody understands that those taxes, they add up <clears throat> fast. Well, and then they, and then it's then they're also selective about what they apply tax to, and this is where it gets really weird. Mm-hmm. Like, like some things are taxed and other things aren't, and and some of it doesn't make a damn bit of sense, really. Right. Like, like for example, uh, what there was one that was a really great example about how candy was taxed, but if it contained flour then it wasn't taxed because it was considered a baked good. So like a, a Hershey's peanut butter cup was taxed, but a Twix bar wasn't. And I was like, what the fuck? Interesting. So, so the way in which people try to get around taxes or try to, it's just insane. The, the inheritance and, tax, the capital gains tax, the tax on luxury items. They, they play with those all the time. Republicans get rid of them and Democrats raise them. And, and, but when you look at what Republicans and Democrats don't do is, is they don't actually come up with a way that if you're on any type of welfare system, they're not trying to figure out a way that gets you off of the welfare system either by steps or anything. It's yes. either, hey, let's just make sure that everybody can get everything, whether or not they need it. And so you end up wasting a bunch of tax money that way. Or it's, hey, we're just going to kick you off the fucking thing and best mm-hmm. of luck to you. Because rather than rather than sitting down and saying, okay, here's the four things that we offer. We offer food assistance, child care assistance, rent assistance, and just plain cash or healthcare, let's say. And and let's say that you're making a certain amount of money and you're like, okay, my company affords me healthcare. I don't need that. Right. In a lot of places, it's like you have to take all of it, or they just kick you off of all of it. Like you don't get to pick and choose. So you don't get to sit down and say, okay, I don't need the health insurance. I need these three. And then you start making enough money and you're like, okay, well, in order to keep me at my job, I need childcare. I'm still struggling with the food, but I don't need money for rent. So I'm going to put that aside that I don't need that anymore. Hmm. And then they start making enough money and they're like, okay, I don't need childcare anymore because my kids are old enough, but I still need some food assistance. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're going to piece that out. And then finally get to the point where it's like, I don't need childcare assistance. I don't need food assistance. I don't need rent assistance. I don't need healthcare. I've right. got all of this taken care of. Instead of stepping people off and helping create right. that sense of independence and allowing them, it's this fear of, well, if I don't take it all, I lose it all. And if I lose it all, then I'm just going to be stuck either back in the system or they're going to just kick me off of it when they're tired of it. I think that that's what happens. They kick you <clears> off <throat> of it suddenly instead of saying, here's the five-year plan <clears throat> to get you out of poverty. You know what I mean? Right. Or you know, anything like that. It, mm-hmm. It's just they're, they're – the the welfare system has to have a fundamental redesign so that way people who are in the system are empowered to 
start taking away pieces that they don't need. Right, exactly, to work towards something. And to know that it's coming ahead of time. If I know I have a year to get off of food assistance, let's say, then I know I can prepare for that. You know what I mean? And I don't know how how you would go about that. But I, I, I remember when I applied, they gave me health care, but I didn't need health care because I had Medicare. I They wouldn't give me food food assistance because mm-hmm. I wasn't poor enough, and they wouldn't give me help with my bills, which were 80% of my income go to bills and rent. But I couldn't <clears throat> help with that. If they had given me help with my bills or my rent, then I could have afforded the food, but I couldn't because they wouldn't. And so it's this, it's this weird cycle that we just, mm-hmm. we want, we want to keep people in poverty in enough poverty to where they're paying more for being poor. But then they also complain. And, but then the politicians also want to complain about, you know, these welfare Queens and this, that, and the other. And it's like, mm-hmm. you're not structurally creating a system in which people are able to pick and choose what they need. Right. And save the state money on the things that they don't. Right. If you, if why, you... why are you giving them everything when they themselves are saying they don't need everything, or, or they're working at a place where they're given certain things and they don't need that? That doesn't make a damn bit of sense. Right. If you give people what they don't need, then they don't use it, and then you don't spend money on it. That's the thing. It's always easier to offer somebody something you know that they're not going to take. You know. Well, and it's but it's easier for them to be able to sit down and say, "Oh, you don't need that." Okay, well, I guess you don't need any of it. Right. That's just. And ridiculous. so then, so then you get people who end up making the choice of working as little as they do in order to keep the benefits that they do need. Right. Of course. And that doesn't make any sense. I can't. I have. To, I can't work. If I work, I, I can only work a certain amount. So, what kind of job can I get where I tell them I can only work to a certain point? You know, until I earn this much. And can you monitor that for me, by the way? Because I don't know, like pre-tax, post-tax, I don't know what's going on. If if I gross too much, is that an issue if I net less? You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. and how am I supposed to look that up? How am I supposed to know? How am I supposed to educate myself on that? And that these are the real problems is there is, there might be ways. My mom, she was disabled. They sent her to school to become a travel agent. And then she became, uh, she had a home office and she was a functioning member of society that earned an income until the travel market tanked because of apps. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And there was nowhere for her to go after that because they had, they had timed her out. She had learned enough and she had gotten out of the system and they wouldn't let her back in. And that's, that's a tragedy because stuff happens all the time. Absolutely. And, and then on top of that, it's like, you know, how, you know, uh, as a state, you know, how do you figure out where you can put people? So that way they, that if you give them that five-year plan, how are they going to be able to get out of it, get mm. out of that, that system? Like the idea is, is that, you know, the, the entitlement should be there for the people who need it or the people who need parts of it. Mm-hmm. And if you want to, if you want to keep people from using it, then you need to figure out how you can get people out of it right. and not, not just kick them off of it. Because if you're, if, if you're giving person, uh, someone the choice between work less to get all of the benefits mm-hmm. work and get none of the benefits, I'm sorry, but I, you know, I can guarantee you that there's, a, there's enough people out there that are going to make the choice of, I'm just not going to work and I'm going to collect all the benefits or I'm going to work very little and I'm not going to collect the benefits. Yeah. Whereas if you give people the the tools to say, all right, 
this is all you qualify for. Now let's take a look and see what you actually need. Okay, you only need three of the four things. Great. <clears throat> mm -hmm. Now let's help you come up with a plan for how do you get to where you need one less a year if you know if we can figure it out. Like yeah. instead of instead of creating the fear that someone's going to lose something, give them the tools to succeed so that way they can sit down and say, I don't need that anymore. That's right. the difference. That is really the difference. If you set someone up for success mm -hmm. to, to make enough to say, you know what, I don't need that anymore. You give people power. Yeah. But rather than keeping them in fear of, oh my God, what's going to happen to me and my family if I lose X? But we generalize to automate. Then nobody understands that what you're talking about is an individual helping an individual with an individual situation. A homeless person in Florida needs different stuff than Jason. You know what I mean? And mm. so it's a different skill set. But if you just throw us both in the same machine and then say the homeless guy is part of a curve that I'm a part of, that Jeffrey's a part of, and we're basing everything on that and then throw politics in and say, well, I don't like the homeless guy because he's not working hard enough. And that Jason guy, he should get a job, but Jeffrey's doing great. Let's help him. Then everything's fucked. <laughs> exactly. I mean? You know, it's, it's, it's the same with school. You know, mm -hmm. there was a lot of things that got catered to me because I was on the smarter end of average, right. you know, and it's like, look, that's not fair to everybody else. Like not everybody else can sit down and read a math book and understand advanced calculus. That's right. not fair to the person who's getting help and struggling with algebra. <laughs> Man, that is tough because there was a series on TikTok about that, how some guy had came up, come up with the idea that we should devote resources to the students that will most succeed and take them away from students that show a lack of ability. And that's how our school system has been run for like a hundred years. And so that's just interesting to me. We don't, we don't devote resources to the, to the kids that need it, but every kid is, is on this planet to know something. You know what I and mean? That's, we just that's need to find that. We need to find that. We didn't know that Martin Luther King was going to be Martin Luther King when he was eight years old. And we no. could have denied him an education just based on his skin color and lost that. And that's the thing. Albert Einstein was German. If we had come here and we would have been like, ew, you're German. We hate you. Fuck off. We would never have gotten the Manhattan Project. You know what I mean? So, and the and that's, you know, and, and even then you've got, you know, that's, that's a weird mentality to be like, oh, mm -hmm. well, let's shift all of these resources away. It's, how about we, how about we shift the resources in such a way that instead of saying, oh, well, you need this and you don't need this. It's like, okay, what, what do you need for the career you yes. would like to have? Right. So that way it's like. And so that way you're not taking classes and learning things right. that you're never going to touch again. Like, That's right. you know, for me, knowing statistics, knowing calculus, knowing algebra, it's all important for, for things that I do. Mm -hmm. Trigonometry, probably a little less important. Right. Consumer I mean, math, you already got that. But, but even just like, you know, it's one of those things where back in the day, you know, people had home ec and they understood how to budget and they had, yeah. they understood like personal, you know, personal finance math. And, you know, it's funny to me now that that's something that they're starting to bring back. Mm, they need to, you know, and, and so, and so, but also too, like one of the things that we fail to consider is, is like most of the businesses out there are small businesses. So how do you help? how do you help kids understand what business math looks like for the small business owner? Right. 
you know, things like that. That's, you know, they don't need to be taking advanced algebra. They don't need to be taking trigonometry. They don't need to be taking physics. Right. It's so but weird. for all of the ones that want to, that want to do chemistry, that want to do physics, great. Let's make sure that they've got all the resources available to do that. And especially in mm -hmm. the information age, that's a lot easier to do now. Oh, yeah. It's just... It's weird that we teach kids what you're talking about, trigonometry, algebra, um, civics in school, but we don't teach them life skills. We leave that to their homes, but then we take their parents away because we won't give them a living wage, so there's nobody to teach them the life skills. And then mm -hmm. once they hit 18, we're upset because they have no life skills because you couldn't, you weren't there to expose your child to everything to see what interested them. Hey, I could have played the coronet in third grade. But I couldn't afford it. So guess what? I played the recorder and moved on to a different, something different. You know what I mean? Right. But I was exposed to it. You know, I just wasn't exposed to it enough. I think kids should be exposed to that stuff. Let's find out what they are good at at the time because that'll be in their heads forever, right? And they can mm -hmm. always go on to something else as long as education is free. So. And that's, Or, you know, even still, like, you have so much information out there now that there are ways in which you can get students to learn advanced topics. Yeah, they are. You know, and uh, I mean, I watch my kids do it all the time. Mm -hmm. They're learning art things from the internet. Right. They're learning new techniques from the internet. They're practicing it themselves in drawing pads on tablets. They're, they're not in art classes. They're learning this stuff elsewhere. Right. So, so if you mean to tell me that we can't figure out how to give the most advanced kids the tools to be able to do what they're eventually going to do. Mm -hmm. Like I told people, you know, about my master's program, you know, what we always said in my master's program is not that I was smarter than you. I just knew how to use Google better than you did. Exactly. Well, that's where we're, that's what I'm talking about. Instead of a parent, observing and monitoring a child's life skills like you are a lot a lot of parents can't do that and so yeah. children are skipping through everything to find it themselves you know because they don't know what's important to learn and what isn't important to learn and so mm -hmm. they're using google better and better and leaving their parents out of it um, before mm -hmm. we before we end the show on the on the topic i'm just gonna say i watched uh a show called crime of the century and it's on HBO max. And so I just, it's a, it's a searing indictment of big pharma and uh, the political operatives and government uh, regulations that are involved in this stuff and the reckless distribution of opioids and the whole opioid opioid epidemic. And yeah, it, it's pretty much right on topic for this show because we talked a lot about, about, you know, the medical system and man, it's scary. It's scary. It's, it's what we talk about doctors being, you know, just when they start working for themselves and their own profits, they're not working for us anymore, but they're not telling us that they're doing that. And then, and having big pharma involved in that and the way they distributed and the way they just blatantly lied to get FDA approval for this stuff, man, it's something to look into. No, it's that it's absolutely scary, especially when you see that, you know, the the, the way in which they cornered the market was just, I mean, genius by their own standards and, mm -hmm. and by any other standards, but absolutely diabolical. If they had been honest, if they had been honest about everything, then it wouldn't have been genius. It just wouldn't have been approved. You know what I mean? Exactly. All right. Well, thanks for being here, and. Um... 
Join us Thursday for the continuation of this episode because we have some good topics coming up. <laughs> to those who would tear the world down, we will defeat you. This is our moment. This is our time. To those who seek peace and security, we support you. Yes, we can. And to all those who have wondered if America's beacon still burns as bright, tonight we prove once more that the true strength of our nation comes not from the might of our arms or the scale of our wealth, but from the enduring power of our ideals, democracy, liberty, opportunity, and unyielding hope. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbow. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, they will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. Yes, we can. What your country can do for you. I have a dream. Ask what you can do for your country. My poor little children. Yes, we can. One day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression. In this lifetime, you don't have to prove nothing to nobody except yourself. It ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit. Moving forward. How much you can take it? They keep moving forward. That's how we're Welcome to Public Access America. Yes, we can. Now on Instagram and SoundCloud. We wanted to run out of that tunnel for my dad. On Twitter. Apple Podcasts, the Stitcher Smart Radio app, Podable, and Spotify. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Public Access America. History in the making. Making history in the making. Let me see. Where is it? There it is. The WHO is mm-hmm. have, is holding their World Health Assembly, and that's kind of exciting. And I wanted to let everybody know they could find the World Health Organization on Twitter at WHO at WHO, and there's a hashtag WHA74, which is covering the conference. And I'm going to put the YouTube channel information and the website channel in the description portion of this podcast because i think it's important that everybody knows what's going on with the world health organization because Mm -hmm. it it seems to be more bipartisan more uh country run and so they're going to have some topics it's all about is about the pandemic and everything else you know Mm -hmm. so check that out follow the world health organization like i do and maybe learn something that your politicians aren't telling you What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. 